Welcome to the Spiritual Piggy Podcast with your hosts, Jessica Gaines and Noodle the Pig. On this podcast, we will discover what it means to live a wildly surrendered life, wholly connected to inner peace, while having the courage to get dirty and play full out on this amazing, magical playground we call Earth. Hi, I'm Jessica Gaines, animal communicator, intuitive channel, soul coach, and energy healer. My co-host and pet pig Noodle is a wise teacher, powerful joy igniter, and a master at playing in other dimensions while being fully grounded here on earth. We will explore the journey of spiritual awakening. I will channel Noodle as often as he would like the mic, sharing his perspective, interviewing guests, and participating in roundtable discussions. Welcome to the Spiritual Piggy Podcast. Let's play. Hello, my beautiful friends, our first official episode. This episode is going to be focused around my personal story as it pertains to this spiritual awakening that I have been referring to, um, which has really taken place over the course of the last six years. And I will touch on some pieces of my life prior to that in a way that points to and amplifies the pieces that are pertinent now, basically how the the shadows of my quote, previous life turned into the transformed into the light of my current life. And hmm, Noodle will also weigh in. Um, this is going to be very interesting because, you know, I am learning about what this is at the same time that you are. And (laughs) I'm going to be opening a channel to share my story. And then when I share Noodle's perspective, I'm opening a channel to share Noodle's perspective. So that can be a really weird feeling to shut one channel almost to then switch to another. It's like, changing over a record on a record player. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to be learning with this as well. And we are also going to go into Noodle's personal story, but that will most likely be the next episode because he was very clear in his energy that he did not want to be tagged on to the end of my personal story. He needs his own episode. So that's going to be really fun. And I will be learning along with you, um, regarding his perspective on some pieces of his story. (laughs) So that'll be really fun. We'll both discover at the same time. So this one will be um, regarding my personal story. And then, as I said, Noodle will share at some point on that and we'll see what he has to say. So to start, I really would like to open the space and invite God in. And there are many ways to do that. And the way I'm feeling pulled to in this moment is through the prayer of opening the Akashic Records. The Akashic Records, also known as the Book of Life, is the subtle energetic imprint of everything that's ever been, everything that is, and everything that could possibly be. It is the fabric, it is the stitching, it is the thread etched through every cell, every particle of existence. It's the fabric that holds it all together. Mm, The essence of God. Mm, The housing of love. It's a connection to divine wisdom and for me one way to connect is the prayer of opening those records which is really just a permission slip it's a symbol it's a symbol of reverence that puts me in the intention and the energetic sacredness of connecting with god So that when I tell my personal story, it will not only be my own perspective coming through, but it will be opening to the frequency of unconditional love, um, 
divine wisdom, opening to a broader, deeper, eternal perspective, basically inviting God in on the conversation. So as I say this prayer, the second half of the prayer is silent, so you will hear some silence and I'll announce when the Akashic records are open. And this is a meditative, energetic, so feel free to just relax into it. Allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling, experience whatever you're experiencing as the prayer is being said and the records are being open. And if you're in a space to be able to do so, you may want to close your eyes or soften your gaze. Obviously, don't do that if you are jogging, walking, <laughs> driving, etc. Use your best judgment as an adult human. <laughs> and so we'll begin. Spirit, support me in coming into an elevated, expanded state of consciousness so that I may be one with your perspective. So that I may be a divine channel of your loving guidance and knowing. Help me to see Jessica Christine Gaines as she is seen in the light of the Akashic Records. Help me to know Jessica Christine Gaines as she is known in the mind of God and enable me to hear all communication of Jessica's masters, teachers, and loved ones as a clear channel of your divine loving guidance and knowing. The Akashic Records are now open. So, as we begin, <laughs> so I've opened the space to God, to my guardian angels, deceased loved ones, masters and teachers. And we'll begin at the beginning. Again, I'll go through this first piece fairly quickly just to point out the pieces that are significant when looking at the experience of spiritual awakening. So when I was born, my beautiful mother, my sweet, sweet mother, who actually passed away in December of this past year, um, and I'll actually do an entire episode on grief and the portal to God that is grief, the transformative experience that is grief. So we'll, we'll talk about that at another time. She passed away, and I love my sweet, sweet, gentle, angelic mother with all my heart. So um, this is no blame or shame around her. Um, I'm just sharing the objective pieces um, that are part of my story and part of what built me. Um, so my mother, when I was born and I was, once I was a year and a half, uh, she attempted suicide, which left her paralyzed. And looking back on my life, you know, there was always, it was always extremely, my mother is so loving, but the environment was always extremely tumultuous, which means even in utero, it was very tumultuous. Um, the first two years of my life, I was 
being carted back and forth as my mom was in the hospital and learning how to walk again, learning how to do everything, as well as uh, suffering from clinical depression. I also think that postpartum most likely had a lot to do with it, and I just don't even know that that was a thing that was understood back then. Um, so the energetics of the feeling of chaos and constantly being uprooted and the mother bond, the mother bond um, not being cemented in the beginning or potentially even in utero um, was a piece of it. And then hmm, I grew up in a household where the um, male energy was a lot. <laughs> You know, my father's passed away as well. Um, he was an alcoholic, but he was very gentle. I know now that there was a lot of anxiety there. Um, the male figure that I grew up with, there was a lot of passion, a lot of emotion. Um, there was a lot of yelling. There was a lot of, a lot, there was just a lot of chaos, a lot of chaos. And my sweet, energetic body did not know how to handle that, as most children, as all children don't, you know, we we come into this world not knowing any of the quote unquote rules of society. And when we're in a place, whether the parents think it's safe or not, if it doesn't feel safe to our nervous systems, then it's not safe when you're a kid. And I was so sensitive, I could feel everything. And I internalized all of that, not knowing what was mine and what was other people's. And that's not even a thing. You know, I think I just learned that was a thing just a few years ago. That's not a thing. Not only did anyone not talk about it, but most people still don't know that that's real. And I internalized all of that, you know, all of that energy coming from all directions and absorbing and consuming it and thinking that it was me you know, as kids, kids are very similar in energetic alignment to animals in that they're very high vibrational before we put all of our BS, all of our societal uh, uh, rules and unconscious agreements upon them. So they're very tuned in. And just like animals, we can, kids can feel if something is aligned, if, if your emotion and your thoughts and your actions are aligned, it makes sense. But as adults, we don't do that most of the time. So for instance, as an adult, you know, someone may be picking up on that you aren't feeling well and you say everything is fine, but that doesn't match. So as a kid, that's very confusing, very confusing. So all kinds of information was coming into me at all times and I didn't know it wasn't mine. And so I internalized a lot of that, which led me to tapping out. Our little bodies don't know what to do with all that. And your body, your brain is just attempting to help you survive. And the only way I knew how to survive was to tap out of that. And the first way I learned how to do that was through television. As early as I can remember as a three-year-old, I remember, um, when I got my first television in my room and this was in middle school and I would stay up, my mom, I don't know that she ever knew I did this. I would stay up until all hours of the night, sometimes 4am, 5am watching Nick at night, dreading going to school in the morning. And it felt as if as long as I didn't go to sleep, the longer it would be, I could procrastinate going to school. As soon as I fell, it, it felt like as soon as I fell asleep, it, it was no time until it was the next morning. And if I stayed up, I could prolong that anxiety of going to school. Um, so I would stay up until 4 and 5 a.m. watching TV. And I mean, I remember like by 2 a.m. I would think I've got to get some sleep. And I just wouldn't. I would stay up and I would stay up. And before I knew it, I would think, oh, my gosh, I only have an hour or two to sleep before I have to get up for school. And then I would. Um, and that lasted well into adulthood. Um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But next I found um, alcohol. And that was at 16, which I know is later than some alcoholics. But um, yeah, when I found that, I thought, oh, this is it. This is amazing. There's something that 
can lit, can change your state the moment that you ingest it. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, I will take more of that. It was a way to, again, you know, this is also innocent. Addiction is also innocent. It is the only way we can figure out how to be connected, how to feel safe in our bodies. I was so terrified of being in my body. I didn't know any other way. I was terrified of being in my body because of all the information that was constantly coming in. And I'd learned probably since a baby how to tap out, how to disengage from life, how to disengage from my body. And, you know, that's a thing in society that people are doing constantly. We're all walking around in our trauma responses most of the time. Um, So alcohol, that was a way that I could tap out. That was a way that I could feel good. That was a way that I could calm the nervousness, the anxiety, all of the things that were going on inside me. It was like it was getting into presence. The only way I knew how. It was the way to calm my brain and my thoughts. It was a synthetic way to get into presence. The best way I knew how. I mean, it, truly addiction is so innocent. We're all just searching for God. We're all just searching for the internal connection of belonging, of peace, of unconditional love. And that's the only way I knew to find it. Um, we'll fast forward a bit and cut to in college, uh, meeting my ex-husband who that was a 17 year relationship. And when I speak about this, I'm only going to speak about my, um, experience in this. And as I, you know, I believe from my own experience, from my experience of channeling and from my own research that everything that we go through, you know, I don't blame him for anything. My soul needed to have these experiences. There was no, I I came here to have these experiences. I was barreling towards him as much as he was barreling towards me. And if it wasn't him, it would have been somebody exactly like him, which I don't know if that's possible because he's a very unique individual. Um, Yeah, but just to get back to my experience of this, man, I was in college and looking back, I realized I did not want to make any decisions. And he was a really great decision maker. (laughs) And I wanted to feel safe. And it felt really safe to be with somebody who wins. And that's what it felt like. And it was a very intense ride full of, um, it's just very intense. So I won't get into that too much. I'll get back just to me. Um, But through that, I was, you know, medicating myself through alcohol, through drugs, through, gosh, tapping out in all kinds of ways. Um, Fast forward to uh, many years later, as I was a successful real estate agent, um, working all of the time, I became addicted to the prescription drug Adderall. And I definitely have ADHD. Um, When I discovered Adderall, man, it felt like a solution. But it is, and again, I don't fault, you know, if, if that is a prescription that is working for you, all power to you. I celebrate it. I celebrate it. It was not working for me. Um, it is highly addictive and it doesn't feel like the medical community, or at least my experience of that knows what a powerful drug that is. And the dangers of it, man, the dangers of it, especially it's so intense that you're not taught that there's going to be a high and with that high comes a low. And when you're already an addict who likes to tap out to feel safe, you don't want to get low. And so what was working for me in the beginning, as addictions always do, turned into a nightmare and gosh, I could stay up for four and five days on Adderall. The coming down was scary and I never wanted to come down. That's what happens with an addict. Again, it was the closest I could get to connection 
of safety, of belonging, of connection to God. Um, it felt like when I would take Adderall, it felt like a friend. <laughs> it felt like the moment it hit my system, it felt like, okay, I have purpose. I have focus. I have purpose. Let's do this. That's what it felt like. And near the end, though, man, that stuff, it makes you, when you abuse it and overuse it, it disconnects you almost immediately. It disconnects you from your disconnects you from your body really immediately. Um, it makes you paranoid. It makes you isolated. It is pure hell. It really is. I know that hell is real in that I have been there. Hell is separation from God. And it's a dimension of being and I have experienced it. And all addicts who've hit a bottom and who haven't hit a bottom yet have experienced it. So, you know, these are all of the ways, the best ways that I could come up with of feeling that connection. And I got to the point of, you know, I was severely codependent. One of my other major addictions was my ex-husband. And I remember saying how... <laughs> I remember being in the same house with him and not knowing how to be in a different room than him. I didn't, I, I honestly did not know how to do that. It felt weird because I was so enmeshed. It was, it felt as if I was an attachment to his body. I was a, a it's like I was a, an appliance. That's what it felt like for me in my experience. Um, in, and, and I mean that in a way of that, it felt safe to me. That's what I mean. And I remember before the separation, I began to, you know, the journey of spiritual awakening begins when you're born, begins before you're born, well before you're born. Um, in my belief, we have many, many lifetimes as energy never dies, only transforms and we're continually and constantly transforming in this magical mystery we call life where death is only transformation it's opening another door <laughs> so to get back to where I was there was a long period of time where I began to listen to spiritual mentors I began to listen to a beautiful man named Ram Das. Um, these are all many audiobooks, but many of free YouTube uh, clips, hours and hours and hours. Listen to Ram Dass, and I also would listen to Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. And it began to open me to something more. It began to open me to a surrender. It began to open me to God in a way that I had never experienced, in a way that my heart knew. It's like it sounded familiar. It was so recognizable as if I'd always known it. And it was brand new. It was like, yes, this is, this makes sense. Yes. It was a remembrance. And growing up in traditional Christian home, you know, part of my mom's spiritual journey was becoming what she would call a born again Christian. And that was a wide awakening for her. Then the next generation, my experience of that um, was very constricting. I love that I always had a conception of God. I always felt like I prayed when I was a little kid. You know, I always felt connected to a God, but there was so much in that religion, in my experience of organized religion that did not make sense. It felt so constricting and conflicting. And I believe that Many things that are taught to children in organized religion is simply child abuse and nothing more. It is child abuse. Oh, my perspective of my experience. Um, again, all very innocent, but I, I'm bringing all of this to, you know, the reason I'm bringing this up is at that time, I'm, I, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. I'm a workaholic. I've, I've about reached my bottom and yet something in me told me I couldn't get divorced. 
I hadn't been to church in years, but it's this this thing in the back of my head of the cycle of guilt and shame. And I mean, I remember thinking, I'll just work and watch Netflix and drink wine and be married until I die. That's just, that's what will happen. Um, and I began to listen to a man named Rob Bell, who is a Christian. Um, he, in his own, uh, he's reforming and claiming that word and an empowered and he would, well, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but, you know, in order to bring a quick meaning to it, some may call it a progressive Christian. I think he would call it going back to ancient wisdom, going back to some of the true meanings before it was retranscribed and retranscribed and re retranslated and redefined and some parts hidden and blah, 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 blah. So I began listening to this beautiful man and I slowly began to reconcile the pieces of religion that I had grown up with that just did not make sense to me. And I began to realize that no one has a monopoly on God. I began to realize that Every single sentient being has a direct connection to God and no one can take that away. No one can define that for you. No one has the authority to tell you what those rules are and what they are not. And I slowly began to build my own foundation, my own experience, my own relationship, my own revelations. And at that time, I had my very first visceral experience of presence where I was in my house and my house at this time, I mean, it looked like the inside. I lived in a very nice neighborhood. The inside of my house was like looked like the inside of a garage. I don't think the dining room ever had a ceiling. We'd taken the ceiling out and (laughs) everything was just always in chaos. That's what an addict's life looks like. My life was just always in chaos. The the behind the scenes, not the pieces that um, I showed to the world. So I remember I had this experience of in an intense moment, all of a sudden, everything slowed down as if I was underwater. I could feel the air around me. And I was surrounded in love in a way that I've never experienced before. And I began to cry. And I dropped down to the floor, weeping. And I'd never meditated before. But I looked down and realized that my legs were in the crossed position and my hands were on my knees, palm up. And I thought, oh, (laughs) I guess this is where the traditional pose of meditation came from. It was as if God placed my body in that pose because it just felt I was cradled by love and I collapsed into it and I sat there crying, feeling more loved than I'd ever felt in my entire life. I felt so safe as if the entire universe was my own safe backyard. (laughs) And eventually I, I was compelled to stand up and begin to walk around and experience the world in this state from this perspective. And I remember looking at, I had a chair that was my father's. He passed away in 2007, and I'd always held on to that chair. And I looked at it, and it began to take me out of presence. I felt a little shot of pain, a little shot of the past, And I looked away and realized, oh, this is 
where the warning of possessions comes in because they can take you out of presence. And I walked into the bathroom and I began to look. I didn't, I started to look at my reflection and intuitively my head just turned. I did not want to look at my reflection because it felt like it was taking me out of presence. And I began to walk around and intuitively cover the mirrors. God was moving my body. I wasn't doing these things. I was so intensely present that my body was being compelled into action. And then I decided to walk outside and I decided to, at this point I wasn't deciding. I just was compelled to walk outside. Now here's where the, 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 deciding began I had a pull to take my dogs with me and all of a sudden I started to get little thread of obligation of getting back into humanness and I began to walk outside with my dogs and as I was on that walk this feeling dissipated nothing against them at all it was my internal of getting back into obligation, into society, into rules, getting, leaving one paradigm of reality and beginning to return to another paradigm. So that intense feeling of presence within that hour began to wear off. But I will never forget it. And that was the first experience. And when I finally got the courage to leave this relationship, which was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my entire life. I honestly still can't believe that I did it because that connection was so um, deep and intense. But I knew that it was my path and God was calling me to do so. This is where you get to throw out the rules and listen to your own connection to God. And I had a friend who had a condo that was sitting that I could live in for free. I don't know if I would have had the courage um, to leave if I had to come up with parameters. And I just needed space. At this time, I was by myself most of the time in the house, but the energy in the house I needed neutral space. It was so consuming. It was so consuming because I was so pulled by his energy. And so I left and it was only a a couple miles down the road. It felt like baby steps for me. Had I needed to do many more steps, it would have been too much, but God put all of this in the path. And I said, yes, And I remember that first morning waking up in that space. And for the first time, I could hear my own thoughts. And I could choose whether I wanted to go right down the hallway or left down the hallway. And I knew that this was a whole new beginning. It was the very beginning of me just starting to tune in to my own energy, which I'd never done in my entire life. I always absorbed all the energy around me and defined myself by that energy. And this was the beginnings of me tuning into my own experience. And from there, I went down the path of deepening into the spiritual awakening. I was in such surrender that there was nothing else to do. And I began to choose inner peace as my priority. So eventually I got to the point, you know, I was still drinking at this time, but I began to watch it. I began to step outside of myself and disidentify from my thoughts And I could watch it with loving compassion. And I finally got to the point 
where it no longer held anything for me. I finally was building enough of a foundation of peace that for once that was pulling me more than the pain and the known, the the only known control of alcohol. For once I'd found a connection that pulled me more than the blissful and terrifyingly painful connection of alcohol. And I joined a program called Program 90, which was an intention of quitting alcohol for 90 days, which I knew that this was a decision I was making for a lifetime, but it started there. And (laughs) the night that I chose it, I had another really intense, visceral experience of um, awakening, which was I went to bed. So I had chosen. That was the last night I, <laughs> I drank that day, knowing that that was it. And I got it all out. <laughs> and I went to bed that night. And when I closed my eyes, I began to see purple. It's like a violet like a deep violet tone. And it was like, I'm closing my eyes right now and I can see it again. I can, I can summon it. I see it most of the time when I close my eyes now. Wow. What it looks like for me is there's a black fluttering and the background is this deep violet, this deep purple. And the fluttering looks like a canopy of leaves as if you were laying under a canopy of trees and watching the leaves flutter in the wind. And as I watched it, it would morph and change into fish in a pond as if I was laying on the bottom of the ocean or a river and watching the fish above me with the sunlight coming in the top of the water. And when it would begin to dissipate, I would intentionally go into the frequency of gratitude of joy of being grateful of being joyful and then then it would intensify and at one point I asked it to turn green and it did I asked it to turn orange and it did violet felt really good to me so I asked it to turn violet and it did and this particular night this first night of it happening I actually opened my eyes and I could see it across my ceiling and I'm not talking about seeing it in my mind's eye I'm saying seeing it with my eyes closed I literally see it on the back of my eyelids and when I opened my eyes that night I could see it across my entire ceiling and I stayed up for several hours talking to it playing with it being in joy being in God's presence being in bliss being in love It was so magical. It was as if it was, yeah, sitting, laying underneath a huge canopy of trees as they fluttered. (laughs) And it was a beautiful experience. And since that time, when I meditate, I see it. And when I go to bed, I can say, show me the leaves and they appear. And sometimes it turns into faces And sometimes it even turns into, I mean, I will literally see it on the back of my eyelids. And there have been a few times where it has turned into flesh and blood. Usually the faces are just the purple outline. It's like the black background and the purple outline of almost like drawings. And sometimes it turns into an actual flesh and blood person. And once I remember that happened and it was as if I was looking through a keyhole And she was packing up some boxes. And I remember the room was this beautiful, it was a huge room and it had beautiful wooden trim and had green walls. And she looked at me and I looked at her and then she disappeared. And it felt like God opening... It was as if I was beginning to actually see other dimensions. That's what it feels like to me, opening portals and seeing (laughs) a tiny glimpse of what's actually around us at all times. (laughs) 
from there, um, you know, I surrendered alcohol and let's see, a couple years later, I finally surrendered Adderall and that one took a couple of tries. And by the time I was ready, what really did it for me is I was finally ready to choose inner peace and make it a priority over everything else. I had realized I was watching it and I had lowered my dosage, lowered it and lowered it, but I was hanging, it was doing nothing for me anymore, but I was hanging on to it as a safety net, as a, um, in case I needed to get up and do things that I didn't want to do, but I needed the energy to do them, which basically I was, it was hundred percent still a very intense people pleasing pattern. And I finally decided that day there in that moment, I was choosing inner peace. I was choosing myself. I was choosing God. And I would let the chips fall where they may, no matter what that meant. And I no longer was holding a backup plan. And I flushed that prescription. That was my backup plan. I wasn't a slave to people anymore. I was choosing differently. And again, you know, people pleasing is a trauma response. It's what I learned in survival mode as a child. And now as an adult, I am learning how to step on the other side of that, which then in turn leads to the point of me supporting others in doing the same. And so, (laughs) oh, I'm losing the track of where I was, the Adderall, yes. So that was a huge moment. And then about a year later, I got into a program to release media. You know, going back to the beginning of my story, I talked about how television was my first real addiction. And that one was still plaguing me. You know, (laughs) I realize now we think, so for instance, I would have thought at some point, oh God, why don't you just please take all of these addictions for me at once? I couldn't have handled that. I couldn't have handled that. The most loving thing to do was allow me to release each in my own time, one by one. And TV, Netflix, and streaming, and videos got me through the surrender of alcohol and the surrender of Adderall. I mean, I think for two months, I just watched streaming after giving up Adderall because I thought, I don't care if I don't get anything else done. If I don't take Adderall today, it is a win. And I allowed myself to be in that. And so I finally, the the more I've built up safety in my body, and the more I have, it's like the more I have racked up experiences and built a foundation of trust, seeing how when I trust God and when I follow inner peace, everything works out for me. And the more experiential foundation I build of that, the safer I feel. And I finally got to the point where I no longer wanted to tap out with media. And I was watching media in a way where, you know, I would still, I would get overwhelmed by people and by my life and by, by my to-do list and by obligations. And I would want to tap out and I could lay in bed for two days and go on a Netflix binge. And I would pull over and, sit in a parking lot near the end and watch Netflix because I was ashamed to come home. My, my beautiful, loving current partner, um, who is, does not judge me in the least, but I was ashamed. And I was, I was finally to the point of feeling safe enough where I was ready to give up my last addiction to tapping out. And, (laughs) And I did, and I actually went through a 12-step program for that. And within that, it became, all at that same time, I actually changed my eating. I um, released caffeine. And 
it was all so God aligned (laughs) that now that's been a year ago and I've been media sober for a year. And so I just continue to release these coping mechanisms that keep me from true connection. Now, in that, you know, God is in everything in me, the, the etching of all that is. And so when I'm in my addictions, God is speaking to me all the time. And I could tell you numerous experiences I had in connection with God. As long as I was seeking, I was finding. So God is speaking in all things at all times. Everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. And I finally got to the point where I felt safe enough to release. And I will say, you know, if the word God feels heavy, please throw it out. I, I did not, I just started using the word God myself in the past year or so because it felt so heavy to me. We use these words. And when I say the word, it can mean something completely different than what it means for you. So you and I might be talking and one of us say, God, and we are having two completely different experiences based on what all we have attached to that word, our own experiences, our bad experiences, our good experiences, our beliefs, the beliefs that we got brought up in, all of that can be attached to that word. And so I threw it out for a long time because it it was too abrasive to me. It was abrasive to my nervous system. And I had to start from scratch with words that were completely neutral for me. And I just now organically began to use the word God again about a year or so ago. And I noticed it. I thought, huh, I've now reclaimed that word. It's become completely neutral for me. So Whenever I listen or receive information that feels like truth to my inner being, I allow myself to hold the vocabulary very loosely as it's just a finger pointing to the moon. And I'm listening for the truth underneath the vocabulary. So please throw that word out if it does not work for you. So this brings us to, you know, during this time is when I began discovering my gifts and following the breadcrumbs of, and by discovering my gifts, I just mean (laughs) that I was interested in them. I began working with my very first intuitive life coach, which I didn't even know what that meant. And I know now it means she connects with your spirit team. She connects with your spirit guides, your masters, teachers, loved ones, guardian angels, your energetic team of support, bringing in coaching skills and information, clear channel of information from your support team. And I was fascinated. And when you're fascinated by something, it usually means that's a pull from your inner self. That's a clue that you're uncovering a piece of your soul signature, a piece of something that resonates with your full soul's expression. So I began to get pulled by those experiences and I sought them out and I began to learn and I began to work with coaches and mentors and take programs. And it became so interesting to me. It, it, it <laughs> I just was being pulled I think this brings us to a great stopping point as the the pieces (laughs) regarding the really deepening into spirituality are the pieces that we're going to discuss throughout the journey of this podcast. So what I'd like to do is invite Noodle in to share his perspective on what's been shared today. So give me a moment as I tune in and set the intention. Hi. (laughs) He pops in right away. Hi, buddy. Hi. And when I connect to animals, what happens is there's different layers of connection. There's can be connection. When I connect with Noodle, there's connection. Could be a layer of connecting to him as the pig. 
and a layer of connecting to him as the deeper soul, as the wisdom of the soul in the being. And he will bring through whichever one is most pertinent and most um, useful to the situation. So here we go. Hi. <laughs> Hi, buddy. Oh, so first off, I feel his energy as, oh, it's already calming me. It's this vast, deep stillness where I'm feeling my own nervousness. I didn't think that I was nervous through this entire podcast, but the juxtaposition to his deep stillness, I can feel the glitches in my system. I can feel the, the nervousness and the little subtleties of angst. So that's interesting to witness. Thank you, buddy. Mm. What would you like to share around the journey of my personal story? <laughs> he said, I'm just glad we found each other. <laughs> He always keeps it very simple, very simple. Mm. He's actually very silent right now. What he's showing me is the deep presence that is always available. He's bringing me back to that first spiritual awakening, that first experience, that visceral experience of presence. And he is showing and teaching how that is always available to us in any moment when we tune in. And my human brain wants to say, but how? We need to tell the audience the how. Mm. He says, my dear, that will come. And it just is. It's always here. It's an exhale. It's a relaxing of the shoulders. It's a closing of the eyes. It's a tapping into love. A tapping into gratitude. A tapping into the depths of the ocean and deep stillness. And feeling that in your heartbeat, in your lungs, feeling an overwhelming energy of compassion and gratitude. He is teaching in this moment with his own energy. What he's saying is the story doesn't matter. <laughs> Our human brains run around in story, and story, and story. And while that can be supportive and empowering, he's showing the and of that this deep presence is always here. It's always here. And an open invitation for us to step in. It's showing it as completely hidden in plain sight. It's in plain sight if we close our eyes. <laughs> Meaning, it's in plain sight when we look from a different sight. In this moment, that sight feels like a closing of the eyes in order to tune in to a different plane, a deeper dimension under what we see with our eyes open. He's showing that you can tune in with your eyes open, but it's much easier in the beginning to shut off that sense. And this might not be for everyone. I'm just channeling his perspective in this moment. There are limitless perspectives and limitless ways to be in presence. But I'm voicing 
what he is teaching in this moment right now. The shutting of the eyes helps us tune out of our typical senses and tune into something deeper. I can feel the exhale and it feels as if there is a vast ocean of still water around me. And if you're able to close your eyes in this moment, just noticing what do you feel? There is no wrong answer here. Whatever is there for you in this moment is exactly what you need to hear, exactly what you need to see. And there is enlightenment and revelation in it for you. Every moment, your present moment, what is happening in this moment is the greatest catalyst of your awakening. I used to feel as though if only I could get through this thing, then everything will be okay. Until I finally realized that this thing is the only thing there is. It's exactly what I'm to be doing. Our higher purpose is what we're doing in this moment. It's that simple. It's what we're living out moment to moment as a human what we came here to experience. And Noodle in this moment is the representation of deep presence and deep love and deep surrender and deep acceptance and letting go of the shame and the guilt, letting go of the performing and the circus act of attempting to be a certain way attempting to be liked. I can feel the letting go of an, an, the energy of desperation and I'm channeling for the collective in this moment. The subtle, the juxtaposition of his energy is showing me all of the places that are out of alignment with that energy. And I'm feeling the subtle frequencies of desperation, of performance of martyrdism of contortionist of of changing yourself in every moment in order to conform letting all of that go grace the experience of grace there's an open invitation to let it all go in every moment. And you have the power to accept that invitation in any moment, in any moment of your day. Thank you, Noodle. Thank you, sweet boy. Thank you. We love you. And we can't wait to hear from you again. On the next episode is that episode the next episode you will be the star <laughs> and I can't wait to see what happens thank you sweet boy now I will close out the Akashic Records as we had opened and invited in that energy and that opened the space to God in the beginning so I'm gonna close that out just close that channel the closing prayer and that prayer is thank you for allowing us access to the Akashic Records I see all that has been explored here in this hour as created healed and done I see Jessica and Noodle and everyone listening in divine white light fully connected to God fully connected to divinity and grace. Our higher selves and our full soul's expression. The Akashic Records are now closed. The Akashic Records are now closed. The Akashic Records are now closed. 
Amen. Thank you, my beautiful friends. Thank you for being here with us today. I can't wait to see you next time. Have a wonderful day. And because I loved doing it so much last time, we're going to get a few more sounds from Noodle so he can weigh in from his physical pig body.